Well, the summer before Melissa and I got married, I was working at an inner-city sports camp in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, Golden, Missouri, and Melissa was back home. I had no phone, no internet, just snail mail, very slow snail mail. I also had one picture. So I would stare at this picture of her and it would hurt. Obviously, the picture was nice, but it wasn't like being in her presence. In other words, it wasn't seeing her. So at one point, I sent her this card. It was with a, a duck's head in the water, its tail in the head, in the air, and inside it said, I miss your face. She still has that, that, that card. But needless to say, I did. I missed seeing her face. The, the picture was nice, but it wasn't like seeing her. So it's hard to put into words what I felt later that summer when I finally got back home and she was coming down, towards, down the aisle towards me. A longing like that fulfilled makes the heart happy. Or as Proverbs 13:12 says, a tree of life. And that should help every one of us who claim to be Christians better understand the Christian hope. Do you live with a longing? One that you're confident will be fulfilled in the presence of Christ. Do you know, do you have the Christian hope? Well, turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, I think if you're using it in your Bibles, it's on page 1104 or just at the very end. Tonight we're going to be focusing on verse 4, but for context, I just want to briefly read the first five verses. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for, the, for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Verse 1 of this chapter makes it part of the vision from chapter 21. After Jesus comes in judgment, heaven and earth are made new. And what we find is that in the new creation, the city of God is a bride. And not just a bride, but a temple. God dwells with his people. They live in his presence. But as John continues to describe this new city, it's not just a bride or a temple, it's also a garden. Just as a river flowed out of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 verse 10. 
bringing life to land with much gold and vegetation. Here in this city, a river flows from God's throne through streets made of gold. There's no mistaking what John sees based on the the whole book of the Bible. What he sees is something that looks a lot like the beginning, but better. In the end, the tree of life is for the taking. Unlike the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of this tree doesn't bring on the curse of death, but life and healing, and it's there for everyone. Everyone. The tree bears 12 kinds of fruit. That, that number that's, that keeps representing all of God's people throughout Scripture. Everyone there has eternal life. And it's life in the truest sense. Verse 3, there will no longer be any curse. In the garden, people enjoyed a perfect relationship with God and with one another, uh, with the environment, with food, and it all flowed from having a right relationship with their creator. It was pure enjoyment, and God is glorified by it. That's life in the truest sense, the way that God designed it. But in our rebellion against him, we brought on the curse of death. And so our relationship with others, our relationship with the environment, with food, all the pleasures of this world, it's not what it's meant to be. It's broken. It's hard. And in some cases, it's evil. But even where it's good, it's tainted. But this is the city of the Lamb who was slain for sin. Jesus took on death himself. He was raised to life in order to give it as a gift to those who put their trust in him and who turn from their sins. So in the new creation, God's people can finally say, I'm home. I'm with the one I love. Our time of spiritual exile and suffering in this world of sin and death is over. We're back in Eden where we belong with the greatest joy imaginable. Verse 4, they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. This verse speaks of both intimacy and belonging. Intimacy and belonging. We will see his face. We will know him in an intimate union. And we will belong to him as his people. It's like a marriage. His name is on us. Marked out for him for eternity. Just like a groom with his bride. And she takes on his name. They become one in union forever. This is the ultimate picture of that. So tonight, I just want to meditate on that reality with you and exhort all of us to live for your greatest hope. That's the main point. Verse 4 is it. Live for your greatest hope. And we're going to meditate on just two applicational points. First, learn to long for this intimacy. Learn to long for this intimacy. The greatest joy in the temple under the old covenant was the fact that God's presence was there among his people. But his presence was in this inner room, behind a veil. Uh, No one could enter. And still, that was amazing. I mean, God's presence was there. And he blessed them as a nation. You could look out into the world and see the effects of his presence in their life. 
Still, you couldn't see him. But in the new creation, the whole world and city is the temple. And the greatest joy of God's people is that God is there and they can see his face. In fact, if you just think about life under the old covenant again and the great priestly blessing that God told Moses to pass on to Aaron and his sons incorporated this great hope. Numbers 6, 22 through 27, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. This is the way you are to bless them. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That was the priestly blessing. To see God's face and for his name to be on them. All the blessings of living under God's covenant in the the Old Testament were meant to be like the Israelites looking into Something that was like a cloudy mirror in order to see God's face. So they they couldn't literally look upon him. He was hidden behind a veil. They couldn't go into his presence there. And yet the priestly blessing is for God to be their God. And for them to be their people. For his name to be on them. For his face to shine on them. For his face to be turned towards them. But at best, the law and all the blessings that came under it is a reflection or like just a picture of seeing his face. It's just a picture. It's not being in his presence. So the difference between that and what we know now and what we will know then one day is like the difference between holding a picture of the one you love and seeing their face. Or we might say the difference between having a letter sent to them in the mail or having a kiss At the altar. This is intimacy. Praise the Lord. That we can know him better than what came through the priestly blessing of Aaron's sons. Today we have a relationship with God through his very spirit. And he speaks to us in his word. He hears our prayers and it's intimate. It's wonderful. We can taste it. But as good as this is, what will it be like to see his face? To be with this God... In the closest kind of relationship imaginable. I don't know. I think we need to learn to long for it. It is beyond, in some ways, anything we can imagine. And yet, we have tastes of it. We have experiences of it on the earth today. Uh, We might be able to imagine it just as we do... Uh, when it comes to our other experiences, just as sin taints every experience that we have here on earth. So some things that we know that should be good, right, or that are good, and yet they're not completely satisfied. Or they might be a little disappointing, right, because sin taints all of our experiences. Well, in the new heavens and new earth, not only will it not taint it, but God's very presence will permeate every one of those experiences. This is what face-to-face intimacy will be like in a world without sin. And we'll live there forever in the light of his presence. We will see him. So, brother or sister, is this the longing of your soul? 
What do you long for most days of the week? What do you long for year after year? Is it the face of God? Does it hurt in some ways? Are your affections stirred up in a way that you're like, oh, I want to see him? Well, it won't be if, you're, if you let your heart go to the things of this world. So guard your affections for Christ. If you let your eyes dwell on the pleasures of this world, then your heart will kind of stay in this world. Do what stirs you up for heaven. Be in God's word and obey it. Enjoy the blessings of this world, but things given in your heart. Don't let it end on the thing that you're enjoying. Take what you're enjoying and let it go to God. Let it be a pointer. Don't let them be an end. Because God can't give you something better than himself. He is life. And the vision that John has given in Revelation 22 is given so that we might desire him. Enough that we, like his readers, might persevere in prison or rejoice in trial, in poverty, under political and social pressures to compromise and give into temptation because we long for something greater than anything in this world. We persevere, which leads us to the second point of application. Live for this longing or live for faith to be made sight. Live for faith to be made sight. You know, the the longing to see anything is powerful. But that's because sight itself is a powerful thing. Right? We we know that by experience. Seeing does something to us. Right? See, beyond feeling, seeing can change us. Sometimes for the worse. Uh, To understand this principle of seeing changing us, you might think about things that we wish we could unsee. Right? Some of us have seen horrible things, traumatic things in our life that have, have, have really hurt us just by seeing. But the opposite then is also true. Seeing greatness, seeing glory will change us. You know, so you can think about anything in this world that captures you, the beauty of it, the power of it, the magnitude, something that's incomprehensive in its greatness, whatever that is that fills you with awe, you love it, don't you? You just want to gaze at it and behold it, enjoy it. And the Bible says that we can actually see God's glory in creation. At night, the moon and stars show off the glory of God. During the day, the sun lights up all of creation so that the sun helps day to day proclaim God's greatness and power and beauty. But in heaven, chapter 21, verse 23 says, the sun itself is surpassed by the glory of God. There is no need for the sun. It is surpassed by the Lamb. God in Christ will be an everlasting fountain of knowledge and joy to us. So, again, what will it be like to see God's face? Whatever it will be like will change us forever. 
Hallelujah. I long for that. I want to see that. As we'll sing here in a little while. The king there in his beauty without a veil is seen. It were a well-spent journey those seven deaths lay between. I love quoting this because I think we might sing that and not know what that means. But seven deaths laying between it is a hypothetical statement magnifying the greatness of being with Christ in contrast to the terribleness of actually dying. So, so great is being with Christ that even if I had to die seven times to get there, seven lifetimes, seven deaths, it would be worth it to be with the Lamb. He is all the glory in Emmanuel's Lamb. We will see Him. If that's the longing, then live by faith that it might become sight. Again, fight sin to get there. Persevere in faith to get there. You don't want to miss out. Nothing is worth it. So just feel with me the force of Hebrews twelve fourteen here. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If you want to make faith sight, you've got to have holiness. If you long for heaven and you want to see him, you've got to fight sin. You've got to persevere in faith. Sin isn't worth it. Jesus is. This past May, some of us basically risked our lives to see the Grand Canyon. Lenny and Mark would say that we did not risk our lives. I say we did. <laughs> we wanted to see the Grand Canyon. Uh, I don't know if we had much of a choice, but, but because we were there at that point. But seeing the Grand Canyon pales in comparison to this. Nothing is worth the risk of not getting there. Everything is worth the risk to get there. So, so live. Like you will one day be there. And faith will become sight. I've used the analogy before, I, maybe because it's helpful to me, but we'll close with this. I, I can still remember planning my honeymoon with Melissa. And once we had the plane tickets to this place, I almost couldn't believe it. And yet I had the tickets. I had the reservation. So my excitement just built even more. I mean, it just, it, just, it just grew. So I knew that unless Jesus came back before that, we were going to be there. And I was excited for months. And in preparation for that time together, you know, if we got a little extra money um, from someone for the wedding or whatever else, um, we had a chance to go out or spend that money. We wouldn't. Because we were looking to the time that we would be at this other place on our honeymoon. We wanted to enjoy it all the more. And so we we prepared for it. Well, that's a poor comparison for what it will be like for us. And what it should be like for us right now when it comes to heaven. Jesus has purchased our ticket by dying on the cross. And there are no cancellations. Nothing's getting in the way. We're bound for the promised land. And when we get there, it's not a trip. We'll be there forever. 
And what makes that place so great is not the weather, it's not the scenery, it's who's there. Church, the greatest thing about heaven is not the glory of the new world. It's intimacy with our creator, belonging to him as the bride. The lamb is all the glory. So live like it now. Persevere, or I should say long for it, persevere, and do whatever you got to do to see it. And by grace, you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great hope of life, of eternal life. In the garden of God, in the new city, as the bride of Christ. We pray that by your grace we will long for it and live to make faith sight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.